is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and leadership coach, and today I welcome Sally Hubbard to the show. Sally, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, Sally, I'm so thrilled. You are a fellow podcaster, and your show, Women Killing It, is extraordinary. So I'm honored and delighted. And today we're going to talk about finding joy in life and career and your work focusing on women in the workforce. So let's get started. Your uh, podcast show is transformative, and it's helping women really find what matters in life and career. So tell me, what are the most surprising lessons that you've learned from women who you've interviewed on your podcast? Probably the most surprising lesson that I learned was that following your joy actually does lead to career success. Yeah. I was kind of raised with that mindset of, you know, joy is for your free time and work is supposed to be work. It's supposed to be... (laughs) Never the two shall meet, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It was much more a practical mindset of... Uh, thinking that you just need to get on a good career path that will be stable and uh, that will be profitable and not thinking about what really brings you joy, what will bring you happiness in your career. And what I found from the guests on my podcast is that that's actually just a complete wrong way to look at things. Yeah. I mean, not only is it much less pleasant for your life, it also is just incorrect. I kept finding this over and over again. The women that I interviewed on my podcast who are killing it in their careers were women who had really tapped into what brought them joy, what they really, um, what really brought them, sorry, what really made them tick. And it was when they left, often they left a track that they were on that was kind of that stable or supposedly stable track that was working for a bank or something that they were. Something practical, right? When they actually made the jump and said, you know what, I'm going to give a shot at what I've always wanted to do, what really brings me joy, that's when they found the greatest success. So, Sally, let me ask you, was there an aha moment in your career? Because you've just had an extraordinary career with amazing successes. And I would I would love to hear, was there a shift for you, perhaps when you started Women Killing It? Starting Women Killing It was definitely a shift because just listening to inspiring women on my podcast, you know, interviewing them on such regular basis, it's kind of impossible to not be inspired yeah. and to want to reach your potential. So I have actually seen my own career really take off ever since I started the podcast, even though I started it on the side as kind of a hobby and kind of a research project for me to figure out, you know, what is a playbook for women's career success. And um, I've just been implementing what I learned from all these women and my own career. I went from wanting to be a thought leader in my field, which is antitrust law, actually, to becoming a thought leader in a short time. I mean, I started the podcast in April 2016, and my career looks nothing like it did um, when I started it. That's exciting. And, and you are a thought leader. There is no doubt in my mind. And I so appreciate that you you are creating a playbook for, for helping women find what works for them. So share a few tangible action steps for killing it in your career. Sure. So wait a, uh, related to the point that I was making about joy, I think uh, 
a way to start tapping into what really does bring you joy is to pick things that don't seem work related at all. Mm. Just a couple things that bring you joy and, and making time in your life for it. Because so many of us, we just spend all of our time pleasing others or fulfilling obligations and we lose track of what really does bring us joy. I mean, a lot of women I've spoken to said, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what makes me happy anymore. So even just doing a couple things, what I started doing was riding my bike, fitting oh my in bike rides. And it doesn't seem related to your career at all, but it's just taking that time to connect with your inner self and to think, okay, I'm, I am connecting with what brings me joy. I'm taking this time for myself. I deserve it. And that is just like a small step to start getting toward the bigger goal of actually having your career tie into what brings you joy. But just making that time um, to, to give yourself joy on a regular basis is very important. You know, I'm so appreciative that you said making that time because we're all time starved. There's never enough time in the day, but we do have the power to prioritize other things beyond work. And I'm, I'm grateful that you took the plunge. And I can, I can just imagine how joyful those, those bike rides are because they're a diversion and something that really honors you. And, you know, I uh, spent a month a while ago now, I need to do it again, um, where I said every day of this month, I'm going to give myself joy. Nice. nice. And it w- didn't have to be taking an hour out of my day. It could be just taking that time to, you know, nuzzle with my son when I'm waking him up in the morning. Oh, yeah. Just finding those moments of joy. And I found that everything in my life improved. Oh, that's My great. career improved. My relationships improved. All of these things are so interrelated. You know, when you're happy, you do better in your career. You do better in your relationships. We know that relationships affect your career. So um, it's not something that is taking away from work, even if it might feel like you're taking time away from obligations. It actually will pay off in your career. I so agree. We are kindred spirits in that in that thought. You talk a lot about the underappreciated cause of gender inequality and we talk about that being the second shift of dealing with your your household and your family responsibilities that in in most cases is taken up by women. I often refer to it as your chief household officer role, right? That's a whole other C-suite role in our lives. What are women saying about that and, and how are they navigating that? Well, most women just feel completely overwhelmed. And what I find is that a lot of women um, actually scale back their career ambitions because of that feeling of overwhelm. And so they don't take that next big job opportunity because they're just worried about their ability to juggle everything. And I think this is really an underappreciated constraint on women's career growth. I mean, we know that it's hard and exhausting for women. But it really does lead to, um, I think, it, I really believe it contributes to the gender pay gap. Yeah. And I had an experience that was just kind of a natural experiment that happened where my husband made a career shift. And he went from having a very big job to starting to build his own um, law practice, which took some time to ramp up. So sure. he actually had some, a more flexible job than I had for the first time in our decade of being working parents. And he started to take on more tasks. And, you know, he had already been always been a great father, but he had the more flexible job. So when we got the call from the nurse that the kid was sick, he would pick up the kid from school instead of me saying, okay, everything I had on my plate for work today is now canceled, right? Yeah. 
just those little things. And it wasn't like I had a stay at home spouse to support me like some men and few women enjoy. It was just that he just did a little bit more, a little bit less was taken off my plate. And I saw really measurable gains in my career. And I actually wrote an article about it for Slate, and it was called The Luckiest Career Break I Ever Got Was When My Husband Took the Lead at Home. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm sure it was gratifying for him as well. He's actually better at this stuff than I am, I have to admit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Good for him. Good for him. And how wonderful for your family. I mean, it, it was a win-win for everybody. Right. And now his job is getting busy again, and we're re, you know, we're re- adjusting our lives again. But I, it just really brought home to me how much this is something that really does hold us back. Because I all of a sudden was like, oh, I am going to go to that networking event after work, or I am going to go on that business trip. Things that I hadn't been able to do when I had the more flexible job. And I think that women more often seek out that flexible job so they can be available for these things. And, and we know that that flexibility is what actually leads to lower paying jobs as well. So in, in, that, in that vein of gender inequality and certainly um, salary inequity, I know, Sally, you talk a lot about gender-based preparation and the gap there. Some people also refer to this as the confidence gap. So what are your thoughts there and, and any particular strategies about how we can mitigate this confidence gap? I've been really focusing on this confidence gap almost the entire time that I've been doing the podcast because most often when I reach out to a woman and I say, I want to have you on the Women Killing It podcast, they say, but I'm not killing it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> There's that self-doubt. Yeah. And this could be people who have very tangible measures of success. You know, they could have an Oscar nomination and they'll tell me this. Um, so I've been really asking the women on my podcast how they get over kind of these negative um, voices in their head or self-limiting beliefs. And honestly, the most common answer that I've gotten is that they still have those beliefs, they still have those doubts or the imposter syndrome, but they just keep going. They just push through it. So it's not actually an answer to make those doubts go away. It's just you have the doubts and you just don't let them stand in your way. Very nice. Very nice. You power through it. So let's tell the audience a little bit more about you. You've got an extraordinary career that you are navigating. You were previously an assistant attorney general in the Antitrust Bureau of the Office of the New York State Attorney General. And recently you spoke in Congress about how monopolies amplify gender inequality. But you talk about these seemingly separate passions for antitrust law and gender equality at work, and you think they're really the same passion. So help us understand that, Sally. Yeah, it was kind of this big epiphany that happened uh, at the end of last year, uh, because I have two passions. I've always been passionate about women's issues. And, you know, for anyone who cares about gender and gender inequality, this last couple of years, especially last year, was very intense time, right? Yeah. All of these issues oh. really, really came to the fore. And then the funny thing is, from my job as an antitrust journalist now, I also, for the last two years, have been writing about the tech platforms like Google, Apple, Facebook, and Amazon, and um, antitrust issues and regulatory issues, things like privacy and market power. And that all exploded within the last year also. So I was starting to feel quite overwhelmed <laughs> by my two passions exploding. And I said, I've got to pick one. I just have to pick one. 
And then I couldn't bring myself to abandon either passion. And it occurred to me that they were really about the same passion, the same goal, which I think is really my life's purpose, which is preserving equal opportunity. And, you know, when it comes to antitrust, it's about having new entrepreneurs and new small companies have a chance of getting the reward for the risks they take and bringing a new innovation to bear and not being blocked out of the market by a monopolist. And for gender inequality or, ge or gender equality, it's about making sure that the American dream is available to everyone, this, that we all have an equal opportunity to, again, get the reward from the risks that we take and not be blocked out because of our gender from opportunities. And so it really hit me that these were really the exact same passion after all. And then I started thinking about how as our economy is getting more and more kind of consolidated and there's starting to be some really powerful companies and not a lot of new entrepreneurship, that the, the rates of entrepreneurship have really gone down, how that must be affecting women. And, and that was what I wrote about and that's what Congress asked me to come and speak about. Sally, that's extraordinary. It really is. This just makes me so happy. It's lovely to see how those two seemingly disparate passions are actually very well aligned. Cheers to you. So you, you. you have this incredible opportunity to, to speak with women all over the world in your Women Killing It podcast. Is there a common denominator for these successful women? Something that they all have in common that that speaks to their success and their happiness and their joy in life, perhaps? Honestly, I think most women are killing it. <laughs> well done. Yes. Thank you. I, I really do believe that. Um, I think the average woman has so much on her plate and accomplishes so many things in any day. So I have had a wide range of guests. They've been famous guests. They've been people who are in the C-suite of, of corporations to women who are working part time and raising raising their families um, women who are, are struggling to get their art careers off the, off the, um, to get their art careers going. So, um, I actually do believe that all women are killing it in terms of the keys to success though. I really do think it's a lot about being in touch with yourself, what makes you tick, tick and your joy, and then just going into that uncomfortable space where you're feeling scared, uh, and just powering through it despite the fear. Awesome. So Sally, as we wrap up the show today, is there one tip that you have for women who may be listening to this show or your show to help them manifest the kind of life that they really want? I think it's very important to take the time to figure out what kind of life you want. I think a lot of us just kind of race through our to-do lists every day and don't take the time to pause and think about where am I going? What life do I want to live? So taking that time to actually just write down everything that you would like to have in your life, what you would like your life to look like. And in doing that, don't limit yourself by what you believe is possible. Because possibility is really just uh, an idea, a belief. It's not true. We often think things are not possible that actually are. So write down your ideal life, spend some time, look at role models, look at other people who you want to be like, and think about what their life and their career looks like to help you figure it out. Um, that way, you're not just racing, racing, racing towards a life that you don't actually want. 
Sally Hubbard, that is awesome advice direct from your playbook, and I'm so grateful that you shared it with our global audience today. Thank you so much for being on your working life. I love, love, love women killing it, and I'm just honored that you spent time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Take care, Sally, and I hope our paths cross again soon. And hey, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, or even better, leave us a review and let me know what career development topics you'd like us to address on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And I always want to give a special shout out to my colleagues on the podcast, Laura Deck, our Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer. Thanks, ladies. You rock, and I couldn't do the show without you. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.